Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And our text this morning will be verses 15 to 18. As we continue our march through the book of 1 Corinthians. Listen to God's inerrant word this morning as we read. Paul writes, but I have used none of these things, and I am not writing these things so that you will be so it will be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we tackle our text here this morning. Heavenly Father, again, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will teach us the truths that are in this passage and open our eyes. We pray that you will protect your word and that anything that is not true will not be heard. And so, Lord, I pray that you will conform your church to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ even this morning as his heart is revealed through this passage in the servant, in his servant Paul. So I pray that you would help us be willing to be obedient to these truths and that you would help us to be more conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ to the praise of your glory, of your grace this morning. In your name, amen. If you were go to go to a local church, and most local churches, you would find that most of the conflict in the church does not revolve around the major doctrines of the church. In fact, if you were to put a, a template, and, and, and you could, over most churches, you would find that within that, you're going to find about 10 phrases that are written in there that are actually to all the churches. Almost none of them don't agree on those 10 points. But often where the conflict comes is in those gray areas. In those areas where we have a difference of opinion or a difference of conscience. And in that there can be turmoil in the church and there can be trouble between believers and there can be hostility even between each other. And that is exactly what Paul has been dealing with as, he's been go- as we've been going through these last couple chapters in Corinthians. He's talking about Christian liberty. Here's your liberty and here's how you are to use it. And so he started in, in, and he really is carrying this section on from 8 to chapter 10, speaking about Christian liberty. 
And so in chapter 8, he said, you need to take care of your liberty. In other words, there are some of you who feel free before God to eat meat sacrificed to animals. I mean, in temples. Animals that are sacrificed to temples. Wow, that was complicated. But the idea there is they felt free that they could eat meat that had been sacrificed in pagan temples, and they were okay with it. And for some of them, they were looking maybe down on those who were, who were not eating and saying, hurry up, let's get going. And yet Paul says, the strong brother is actually to sacrifice his liberties for what? The weaker brother. Don't cause them to sin against their conscience. Wait for them. And so Paul is calling on the, on the Corinthians to actually be willing to give up their freedoms and their liberties for others. And so he did that, he did that in chapter 8. And then Paul starts down in chapter 9, and we looked at this last time, and he starts to give us the rights that he has an, as an apostle and as a missionary to be paid for his work done in the gospel. And you might think, wow, Paul, uh, after telling everybody to give up their rights, you are pretty bold to start in the next sentence. You guys give up your rights, but here are my rights. But he does that. But again, Paul is on his way to a journey to demonstrate to us why he would give up his rights and why we should be willing to give up our rights. And so Paul is going to use himself as an example in this case. And I find it interesting, and I said this last time, that Paul actually gives us a full orbed theology on getting paid in ministry and, 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 and for missionary work, even though that's not the purpose for giving it. He's not actually giving it to, to he didn't just stop and say, hmm, we need to, we need to teach about giving to, to ministers. That's not why he gave it. He's giving it for, as an example and a purpose of, of him giving up his rights. And so today, that's exactly what Paul is going to do. He's going to start in on that argument of why he is willing to give up his rights to take monetary remuneration for his work. And so he's going to give us a reason why he finds it necessary for him to give up those rights. And we're really going to see Paul this morning in essence, say to us, I find my joy in giving the gospel for free, and I would rather give up my liberty to take money than to hinder the gospel. And the principle that he's going to have for us as he, as he lays this out for us is simply this. Are you willing to give up your liberty for the gospel's sake and for other believers' sake? Are you willing to give up your liberty and take joy in that rather than resenting giving up that liberty? And so this morning, we will see that principle laid out for us and Paul will say, I'm willing to give up my liberty, in essence, laying down the gauntlet are you willing to give up your liberties for the sake of Jesus Christ and for his body?
So Paul really is, has said through this, I have the right to reenumeration, but then he says here in verse 15, but I've used none of these. But I've used none of these. Paul says, I, I just gave you six reasons why I should, I should get paid, right? I'm an apostle. The apostles got paid. It's, it's the apostolic pattern. I should get paid. After all, everybody knows that if you work, you work for pay, don't you? How many of you go to work for free? Not volunteer. All right. Okay. Right? You get a job, why? To provide. He says, guess what? The Old Testament law says that. And just in case you think I'm making up, the Old Testament law lays down that, guess what? A worker's to be paid. Don't you know that everyone who, who actually works in the temples gets paid? Don't you know that Christ himself says what? You're to be paid. So he lays down all these reasons and he says, but guess what? I have taken none of those rights. I have the right to be paid. I gave you six reasons why, but guess what? I haven't taken a penny. I haven't taken a penny from you. In fact, Paul says, I haven't taken a penny from any single church that I'm working in. I have gone to new places. I have gone to, to, to new mission fields and I have worked there, but I have never taken a penny from the people that I'm giving the gospel to. He said back in verse 12, if you look back at verse 12, he says, he said this, if others share the right over you, uh, we do more. Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will not cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. And he said, I didn't want to give the gospel and have people thinking that what? I was in it for the money. So he says, I, I didn't exercise that right. I didn't take that right. And he says, I, I did it because I wanted the gospel to go forth. He says, I didn't want that hindrance. That word hindrance here has, is a word that is used for those who used to go out. When, it, when an invading army, army would come against a city, they would send these guys out and they would chop up the road. And they would put gullies in it so people couldn't drive their chariots and they couldn't walk across it. And they would tear it all up to make it difficult for the army to advance. And he says, I didn't want to put any gullies or valleys or any hindrances to the gospel. So I didn't take money. Now it's true, Paul did take money from other churches. Right? When churches grew up and they became mature, Paul would take money from, from other churches who sent him money, but he never demanded it of the place where he was at. In fact, you always see him taking money either from one church and giving it to another or someone sending him money. He did it with the Macedonians who gave out of their deep poverty to him as he went out as a missionary. But wherever there was a new work, Paul never took money. Now, he certainly, he certainly was willing to take money from mature churches who had, who had a, a, an understanding that this was not for money, 
but for Christ's sake. In fact, Paul was even so bold. Remember in Romans, he wrote to Romans and he says, here, I'm writing to you. I've never given you the gospel. I've never talked, I've never talked to you. So I'm gonna give you the gospel. And then in the end, he says what? Why am I writing to you? So that you will what? Send me out to Spain. I want you to be my sending church. I want you, I want to take fruit from you. I want you to support me. But notice that Paul was not taking money from what? From Spain. He didn't get four converts together in Spain and say, hey, now that you're here, give me money. He went out supported by a mature church. So Paul says, I, 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 I didn't use any, none of those things. I, I didn't use my rights. Even though I gave you six reasons why I should be paid, I didn't take it. And then he says, and I'm writing these things so that you will, so that it will be done so that I am not writing these things. So it will be done so in my case. Paul is saying, I don't want you to misunderstand this. I'm not, I'm not here kind of subtly hinting, hey, guess what, I should be paid. I'm not, I'm not coming underneath and coming sideways and hoping that you'll misunderstand what I say and, and feel guilted into giving me money. That's not my purpose. You know, we've all been there, right? Oh, you did a great job of that. No, it was nothing. No, you really did, right? And part of you is just going like, I, I like to hear them say I did a good job, right? Oh, it was nothing. No, you were great. Oh, stop it. No, you were great, right? Paul isn't doing that. Paul, Paul isn't trying to get them to give him money. He's not sneaking in under the, under the door and saying, here, give me some money. He says, I, I want you to know that's not my purpose. I'm not saying that, that, that this means you're to give me money. That's not what I want. And so he says, I don't want you to do that for me. Rather, he says, this is what, uh, in fact, he says, I am so opposed to that idea that he says, for it would be better for me to die than to have anyone make my boast an empty one. He says, I would rather die than take money. I would rather die than have someone think that I am in the ministry and that I am sharing the gospel because I'm trying to find a new place to make money. He says, I'm not like the priests of Balaam who did this for money. He says, I, I don't want money. All my ministry I have what? Taking care of myself. He said in 1 Corinthians 4, 11 and 12, even to this present hour, we both hunger, thirst, and are naked and are buffeted, have no home or certain dwelling place, and labor working with our own hands. He says, right at this present hour, this is what I'm doing. And Paul says, this is my mindset as a, mission, as a missionary. This is my mindset of my ministry. This is, I, this is the way I've always been. This is the way I'm always going to be. He says in Acts chapter 20, verse 34, yes, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that are with me. In other words, I've used my hands to work for me and for the people around me to support me. This is my mindset in ministry. 1 Thessalonians 2.9, remember brethren, our labor and our travail for laboring 
night and day because we would not be chargeable unto you. We preached to you the gospel of God. We didn't want to be a burden on you. We didn't want to cost you. He said, we worked all, all day and all night. We did whatever it took in order to support ourselves. Now, I want you to understand this. When he, Paul says, I work night and day, it's not that he worked 24-7. We would understand from human anatomy, you need to sleep. So this is not, this is not a proposal that says that you must work 24-7, you can never sleep. God created you to sleep. You slept in the garden. Sleep is not part of the fall. There was day and night in the garden. You're meant to sleep. Okay? So this is not, this is not an excuse to say, well, I'm, I'm just going to abuse my body and I'm going to go as hard as I can. We just want to take that off the table. God has intended you to sleep. He intends you to take care of your body. All right. He says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 8, nor did we eat any man's bread without paying for it but with labor and great hardship we kept working night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you so Paul just goes on and on this is, this is my incumbent attitude that I will support myself in work and he says it's better for me to die than for have someone empty my boast now, first of all, you might just say, whoa, Paul, did you just say you were boasting? <laughs> it isn't boasting sin? What, what is Paul doing here? Well, boasting can be a sin, but it can also be a righteous act. It all depends on the reason for boasting. Now, if we look at this word, used for boasting here. It's used 11 times in the New Testament and five of the 11 times it's translated rejoicing, rejoicing. And Paul is saying, there's something that I'm rejoicing in. There's something that I rejoice in, something that is different, something that, that I find a joy in. And so Paul says, I, I have a, jo a, a joy that is coming. I'm glorying in it. I'm boasting. I mean, I'm rejoicing. Well, what is he rejoicing in? What, what is that boast? What, what's he rejoicing in? Well, we'll see that later on in this passage. But I'll tell you what he's not rejoicing in. I tell you what he's not glorying in. He gives that us in the next verse. He says, for, I preach the for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion, for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So Paul is saying, guess what? I am not actually rejoicing at this point in the fact that I'm preaching the gospel or even that I have the gospel. Because guess what? I didn't, get, I, I didn't make up the gospel. I have no credit for the gospel. The gospel was given to me. It was revealed to me. That's not my doing. And in fact, he says, I don't even, I don't even take credit for what? Preaching the gospel. He said, that wasn't up to me either. 
that wasn't up to me at all. He says, I'm under compulsion to do it. He says, it wasn't up to me. In fact, if you'll look back on my life, Paul would say to you, I was going about my own business. I was on the road to Damascus. I had a job to do. There was Christians, right? They needed to be put to death. We needed to get rid of those heretics who would say that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. I'm doing God's work. And I was on, the, on that way until what? God appeared to me and struck me down. And he called me to ministry. It's interesting when you look at, at the words that Jesus says to Paul on the road. He says this. Chap- Acts chapter 9. But get up, enter the city, and it will be told you what you what must do. <laughs> right? Paul, it's me, Jesus. Stop persecuting me. Go, and I'm gonna t- you're going to go find out what I have for you to do. You have a job to do. It's now been given to you to preach the gospel. That's what he'll find out. That's what he's going to do. So Paul is conscripted. He's not a volunteer. It's out of his hands. Galatians, in fact, he says in Galatians 1, it was from my mother's womb decided before I was born, ever born. He says, the facts are, if you don't, don't do it, I'm in a lot of trouble. This has been given to me. This was given to me before I was in the womb. This is what I'm supposed to be. Kind of reminds us of the Old Testament prophets as Paul is speaking here. Woe is me if I don't do it. And you can almost hear the Old Testament prophets when they were given a divine message that they were to give by God, regardless if they wanted to go or not, they were commanded to do and they must do it. You think of Jeremiah, chosen by God. He had nothing to say about it. In fact, Jeremiah was undoubtedly chosen in the womb. Jeremiah 1.5. Five, before I was formed before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet before he was before he was in the womb. Now that, you know, is getting an early start, right? That's an early start, isn't it? Little Jeremiah came bouncing into the world and he didn't realize he was going to be what? A prophet. He didn't know. But God did because God had picked him. God had already ordained that he would be a prophet. Now, little Jeremiah probably would have turned that job down if he would have known how things were going to turn out, wouldn't he? (laughs) No doubt about it. You don't want a, a Jeremiah ministry. That's not what you, as a minister, that's not what you pray that God will give you. But God said to Jeremiah, you're my man. You're going to go out. You're going to give my message. And guess what? Nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to listen. They're going to tell you to be quiet. They're going to mock you. They're going to tell you to go home. They're going to chide you. They're going to ridicule you. And that's exactly what they did. And Jeremiah, he, he finally had it. So he says to the Lord in Jeremiah 20, verse 7, O Lord, you deceived me. 
I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. Look at me. I am in derision every day. Everybody mocks me. Since I spoke, I cried out. I cried I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord has been made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. I've been preaching the Lord and I've been crying out and everybody's mocking and deriding me and nothing's happening. So I said to myself in verse 9, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more of his name. That is God. I'm done. I quit. I quit. I've gone out. I've been faithful. I've given the word of God and nobody listens to me. But later on it says, But his word is in my heart, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with holding back, and I couldn't refrain. In other words, God gave me this job, and he sent me out to do this job, and he sent me to do his word, and guess what? It was even worse if I kept my mouth shut. I was so compelled to give this because God had sent me, and I was under orders to do it that I just had to do it. He says, Woe is me. In other words, God will judge me if I will be in disobedience. But guess what? There's even a judgment in keeping my mouth shut because it's just burning in my heart. And God has placed it on me to give it out. And I'm in pain and agony. I'm in sorrow if I don't give it out. So Paul says, I didn't have any choice. I can't boast about preaching the word of God or giving the gospel. The gospel's not mine. The ministry's not mine. It's been put upon me. Every pastor should actually feel that way. Every missionary should feel that way. I didn't choose to go into ministry. It shouldn't be, I felt God calling me, right? There shouldn't be this, this, well, this looks like a good cushy job. It's not you choosing the ministry. It's God's choosing you for ministry. Ministry can be hard. And Paul says, I I was chosen by God. I didn't do anything. There's no credit for me being in the ministry. Paul continues. He gives maybe another side of the same coin. He says, for if I do it voluntarily, I have reward. He says, if, if, if I actually was preaching the gospel and I was doing my ministry and I chose it and it was up to me and I made this grand gesture to follow God and to do what he wanted to do, what, what God wanted me to do, then I, I should deserve reward for that, right? Ministry, you should get reward and I should get reward for this. Because if it was my idea and I'm going the extra mile, an extra mile deserves what? Reward, Right? But Paul says, no, that's not the case. Paul says, it's not the case at all. He says, I have, but if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. And Paul is saying, listen, I was conscripted. I didn't volunteer for this job. 
I was constricted by the Lord Jesus Christ. He called me and set me apart and gave me this job. He says, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. Now, Paul is using slave language here. And he's saying, I'm a steward of God's house. I'm a servant in God's house. I'm a slave in God's house. Now, if you know anything about slavery, slaves have no rights. And when you tell your slave, I want you to go to the barn and clean out the barn, and the slave cleans out the barn, you don't go, oh, good job. Here, let me give you a bonus. Right? And the slave doesn't come with his hand out and say, look, what a great job I did. I, I cleaned out the barn like you said. Give me a reward. What happens if the slave doesn't clean out the barn? Usually gets punished. Right? He gets a beating. But cleaning out the barn isn't something to be rewarded for. He's just doing what he's told. He's not doing anything extra. He's not doing anything special. He's simply following orders. And Paul says, listen, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am fulfilling the ministry, preaching the gospel like he told me to, and there's no credit to me. This isn't something extraordinary or beyond. I am simply a slave following orders. I'm just a slave following orders. I don't deserve a reward. I haven't done anything special. I haven't gone above and beyond. This wasn't my idea. This isn't something I signed up for. I'm just a slave preaching the gospel because it's been a stewardship given to me by God. Well, Paul says, what then is my reward? What then is my reward? It's to preach and teach the word. But that's not what excites me. What's the war, what's the, what thrills me? Not just preaching, not just teaching the word. It does thrill me in a sense because I certainly like to preach. I certainly like to give the gospel. But what is, it that, what is that reward? What is that thing that I like? Well, that reward is synonymous with his boasting. That boasting in, in, in verse 15 is the same thing as this reward. Is that when I preach the gospel, I may, what? Give the gospel free of charge. I may give it free of charge. I don't have to give it free of charge. I actually have the right to be paid. I actually have the right to take fruit from the field that I am plowing. But here's what excites me. I am able to what? Not take my rights so that the gospel might go forth that I might preach it and I might give it for free he says at the end of the verse 
so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. In other words, I'm not going to use my right. I have the right to be paid, but I choose not to because this is what I can contribute. I can't contribute the gospel. I can't contribute to the ministry, but the one thing that I can do is offer the gospel for free so that it might go forth unencumbered so that people will not be confused and think that the gospel is about money, that there may be no hindrance to anyone, that no one will be object and stay away from coming to the truth of the gospel because I have demanded money. So Paul says, guess what I'm taking joy in? Restricting my liberty. Restricting my liberty. That's where I'm finding my joy. Because it's, I love something better than my liberty. What I love is the gospel going forth unencumbered. The message of the Lord Jesus Christ is clear. And so the challenge for us this morning is exactly the same thing. Are we willing to give up our liberties for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and and for the glory of his church? Are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to see the sacrifice of our liberties with joy like Paul does? See, we have a tendency to do this. (laughs) He's restricting our liberty. He's immature. It just really bugs me that the guy whose conscience isn't up to snuff and up to scripture is always holding us back from all of our fun. He's keeping us from being able to exercise our liberty. Right? And so we're like, hurry up, grow up. And our attitude isn't one of 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 acceptance so much as we are begrudgingly hoping and waiting and just praying that this guy will finally grow up and stop being a thorn in our side. And for some of us we might even be thinking, why why didn't he just go two blocks down to the next church and he could be their problem? right? He could be their problem. We don't need that. We're all agreed here except for that one guy. Why couldn't he just gone there? Leave us alone. Leave us in peace. And Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. If I was willing to work day and night We're not talking about a slight inconvenience here, and we're not talking just for a temporal time. We're talking about all of his ministry, the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote 13 books of Scripture, 14 if you count Hebrews, but we won't go there. Here's a man that was completely consumed. How much more could he have been used by God if he just stopped working? And yet that's exactly what he did. And he says, if I, the Apostle Paul, am willing to lay down my rights to, to be paid 
How much more should you Corinthians be willing to give up your rights to eat meat or any other right that you think that you have because you're mature in Christ? And so he calls us this morning to say, I'm willing to give up my rights, my liberties, and my freedoms for Christ's sake. I'm willing to give them up because I want to love the world and win them to Jesus. And so maybe there's liberties I'm going to have to set aside. And if I want to love my brother like I should and see him grow in Christ and grow in maturity and grow even in his liberties, I'm willing to set aside mine. I'm willing to set aside mine. And so Paul's whole, whole point here is listen, look at me, look at my example. I've clearly laid out for you my rights. I've clearly demonstrated that I have this right. But I want you to see my heart. And I want this to be your heart. Are you willing to set aside your liberties for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to do it for his church? Are you willing to do it for your brothers? Are you willing to love the cause of our Lord Jesus Christ above your rights. So Paul says, take your responsibilities here. Love what's right and what's good and what pushes the cause of our Lord Jesus Christ above your perceived rights. And so this morning, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to put down our liberties and our freedoms for the Lord Jesus Christ? I pray that we are. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage this morning. We thank you for a glimpse into Paul's heart and we see how he loved you and he loved the gospel and he loved the lost to the point where he was willing to give up his liberties and his rights for you. I pray that you would make us a church that is willing to give up our liberties, our freedoms for the gospel's sake. Heavenly Father, change our heart, I pray. May our, your priorities be ours. And may we see that giving up our liberties is service to you. And may we embrace it with joy, I pray, in your name. Amen.